What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Forge. I'm OK Davis here with you. I hope you're doing well. I want to officially let you know that uh, moving forward, I am changing the days that the show will be coming out to Tuesday and Thursdays. This is FYI. If you're listening on the Props Network, thank you very much for supporting me, for supporting the Props Network podcast. I got a little bit of a different show today. A little bit of a different show. Uh, first, I didn't have a great week with my parlay. Unfortunately, I feel like this is the third week in a row I'm saying that. On kind of a bad streak. But I did have the Washington football team winning and uh, trying to make sense of If I can get on this Taylor Heineke bandwagon or not, I don't know. Happy for my Washington football team, although I did put out on Twitter that my son keeps calling it the W's. I just don't know if I'm ever going to get him to recognize that it's not the W's. It's the Washington football team. I'll get into that and more about the NFL. We will talk some NBA as I think about where the season is so far. But I got a few topics that I want to get through first. Um, Lee Elder passed away. And I got a text from a person that knows me. That uh, knows that I have a special affinity. For Lee Elder, he passed away on November 28th. My condolences to Rose Elder and and the Elder family. Um, It was... It was tough to hear. Um, You think about pivotal moments in your life. And Lee Elder... And his wife, Rose Elder, played a very important role in my life in understanding what I wanted to do with the medium of journalism and sports. And them giving me the opportunity to go to South Korea, almost all expense paid, to cover the Olympics. Um as a young journalist was just amazing and eye-opening and shout out to my dad who even <laughs> got me to to write the essay that that I submitted to get this chance to go to South Korea because you know I was not listening to WPFW as a young kid in DC and my dad he still listens to WPFW so shout out to WPFW but that's how he heard about the contest by Elder Sports Management. Um, and, you know, I don't even remember when, when that came out, but I know when I wrote the essay, and there I was in, man, August, flying to South Korea. Um, Lee Elder was a trailblazer. He made history as the first African American to compete in the Masters Tournament in 1975. He passed away. At the age of 87, if I could live to be 87, I will be so happy. Um, I won't hold against him that he's a Texan. (laughs) Really won't. 
I definitely won't. I respect him. Um, I only got to meet him a couple times. Uh, but it's you don't meet many African Americans who can say they are the first at anything these days. Um, I know I'm probably wrong, but I feel like the thing that comes to mind for me is when Doug Williams won the Super Bowl. It's like first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl. You don't get as many firsts anymore. You can put Tiger on that list. As he became the first black golfer to capture the green jacket. And this past April, um, the Masters honored Lee Elder. He joined Jack Nicholas and Gary Player for the ceremonial tee shots, opening tee shots. Now, it's supposed to be in 2020, but with the pandemic, it didn't happen. He came back in 2021. I actually have, thank you to Tori, my good friend Tori, um, I have a flag from the Masters 2020. And, uh, you know, it was tough to see Lee Elder at the Masters this season. You know, in a wheelchair, he wasn't in great health, and, you know, you kind of knew that, oh, man, this might be the end. Apparently, if he had been able to to go in 2020, you know, at least this, this year he was in a wheelchair, so he wasn't able to stand and take a swing, but last year, apparently, he maybe could have taken a swing. But... To see, you know, you think about the, I don't know if it's the American dream or what sports can do for someone, elevating them as a person to become an athlete, to become a role model, a pioneer, if you will. Lee Elder was a caddy. That was the only way he was allowed to be on a golf course. And to learn that way, go into the army, come out of it, and enjoying the United Golf Association tour. It's just amazing. He had four PGA Tour victories, eight more wins on the uh, the senior circuit, if you will. He played in all four major championships. And I hope that everyone will remember him. And in my mind, it's unfortunate, but I think that you have Lee Elder and Tiger Woods. And that's it. If you ask... I would say eight out of 10 people name an African-American playing golf. Number one will be Tiger. Probably eight out of 10 will say Tiger. Maybe two out of 10 say Lee Elder. And that's your list. And I want to say it was an honor to know Lee Elder I am privileged to say that he changed my life as well. And my condolences go out to 
the elder family. What a man. Speaking of a great man, I transition to my dad. And I already brought up that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have met Lee Elder and went to the Olympics and catapulted my career to what it, ha what it has become. But I hope you got to enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend, the holiday. I certainly did. It was a family day. You know, it's kind of tough to, to think about Thanksgiving as the holiday that it is when you think of some of the topics and what happened in America surrounding if we should be celebrating Thanksgiving weekend that way. But I don't want to not necessarily go into that. This is about my dad. This is about how much I enjoyed having him with me. Um, you know, he's been a rock of a dad. He's been amazing. And the funny thing is what I enjoy most as he was here with the family and seeing his two of his grandkids, two of his three grandsons. Uh, I enjoyed watching him watch sports on my couch because it takes me back to a kid. It doesn't matter how old he is now. It takes me back to a kid of him falling asleep on the couch while he's watching something. Always was watching sports. And to see him here, it was just so wonderful to see him interacting with his grandsons, my wife and me. But just being there next to him. And I always love watching sports with him because, you know, it doesn't just take me back to being a kid. With him being a referee, I just love to, sometimes it's needling. Sometimes it's asking him as we're watching a football game or a basketball game, Dad, was that a foul or a soccer game? Oh, he shouldn't have got a yellow card. He's a voice of reason. And I enjoy hearing the voice of my dad. And it was great to have him here over Thanksgiving. It was wonderful. It really was. It really was. Another thing that has come up very, very recently in sports, two of the biggest topics right now, is one, Max Scherzer signing with the Mets. I don't like it. I don't like it. Why don't I like it? Well, it's not as bad as Bryce Harper going to the Phillies. Why? Because Bryce Harper went as a free agent. Just flat out free agent. Max Scherzer, yes, he was a free agent, but he was traded to the Dodgers. Whether he was asking for the trade, I don't know. Or I shouldn't say I don't know. Bottom line is just the fact that he was traded. The Nationals said, okay, go on your way. Go to a contender. We're awful. 
But I just don't like to see him go into the Nets. The Nets rival. I don't like it. Yeah, he's on the older side. You know, I don't know if the Mets really made the right move, give him three years. I think he has maybe one or two. But obviously his agent, you know, his big thing, what he wanted is the third year. That's what he wanted. They still have the six best odds to win the World Series. Dodgers are first at plus 600. And they said goodbye to Max Scherzer. We're not giving you more than two years. Astros, plus 850. Yankees, plus 1,000. Rays, plus 1,100. Chicago White Sox, plus 1,100. And the Mets, plus 1,300. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I think it's sad for the young Nats fan who loved Max Scherzer, Mad Max. And now has to think about, well, I like Max, but now he's rooting for the team that really can beat the Nats. Beat the Mets. Well, now that's taking on a new meeting because you got to beat Max to beat the Mets. And I just think it's sad. You know, it's a product of where it is. I'm good with it and understand it. But like, man, players don't stay with teams anymore. Don't you still want to have that player? And I understand that Mad Max wasn't drafted by the Nats, so it is a little bit different. Some would say a lot different. It's not like Ryan Zimmerman. You want Ryan Zimmerman to retire as a Nat. You want players to be drafted, Steven Strasburg, to be drafted by a team and stay with that team for their career. Then you could say they are true Nationals or Washington football team, or Bradley Beal with the Washington Wizards, Alex Ovechkin with the Capitals, Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers, Sidney Crosby with the Penguins, Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I know how tough it is even when you think of the Patriots and Tom Brady leaving. Just don't like it. Makes it very difficult. And I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, now we're just rooting for players and not even teams anymore. Or whoever's on the team doesn't matter as much because who knows they're going to leave in free agency like Bryce Harper did for really what equaled up to $13 million more dollars. I think when they did the math, that's what it equaled out to because the number of years compared to what the Nats were offering. I also think that this is the beginning of the end for pitchers. Not necessarily with Max Scherzer. He got his three-year, $130 million. I don't see contracts being that high anymore for a starting pitcher in like five or ten years. Why? Because starters don't even go as long anymore. Some starters are only going four and a half innings, maybe five. You got teams like Tampa Bay where they're pitching their reliever for the first two or three innings, then bringing in the starter for three or four, and then going to the bullpen and then the closer. I just, it's a different game. It's a different game. And I think the analytics of it makes it sad. It makes it sad. It really does. I don't like this reliever comes in for a little bit. It takes away the the gravitas of a starter. And then you take Ian Anderson, which I still, I cannot 
fathom how a pitcher could have a no-hitter in the World Series. And Brian Snitker pulls him in Game 3. Like, that's where analytics have destroyed, destroyed baseball. He's pitching a no-hitter in the World Series. Let that first hit happen at the very least before you pull him. Where are we going with this? The shifts. But, but you know, all of a sudden, you know a, a player pulls it to left field. So the entire baseball infield and sometimes the outfield shifts to left field. Like, no. It's not like the analytics are new. Billy Bean's been doing it for ages. It's not new. Analytics is not new. And it will never it will never tell you the heart of a player. So you should never 100% rely on analytics. I'm not saying it hasn't been fruitful. But realistically, what are we doing here, man? Only one team can win the World Series. Or the NBA Championship. Or the Super Bowl. You can have all the analytics you want in the world. You can have all the people, the the... Whatever you want to call them, data analysts. You want. Only one of them is going to win the World Series. Let the players play just a little bit more. I can only imagine how it's been annoying for managers. Maybe not all of them, because some of them are younger and maybe in the analytics. But maybe some of the old schoolers, you think about Brian Snicker, who actually is a young manager because he's never managed until he got he was with the Braves but then on the other side you had Dusty Baker who's been a manager for a long time and I'm sure getting those phone calls from the GMs hey yeah you know this this pitcher he doesn't pitch good the third time in the rotation or this batter I tell you what he's not good against left-handers in the seventh inning so let's pinch hit for him Takes it. I, I I get there's some reasons for it, but sometimes I just feel like it's just destroying the game. It's just destroying the game. And eventually, what's going to happen is maybe you're not even going to have starters. Maybe that name in general, that tag of a starter, will be gone. Pitchers will not get these two hundred million dollar contracts because it's like, nah, I only need you for two innings. I'm just not going to give that to you. I'd rather have a a hodgepodge of pitchers that I can just throw out wherever I want to put them in the lineup or whatever inning I need them in. So be careful. Be careful what you wish for. Well, I don't know if the pitchers are wishing for it. That's probably not a fair assessment for me to make as well. It really isn't. It really isn't. Um, what really isn't good to watch is John Wall sitting on the bench. And there's been new conversation about him trying to have discussions with Steven Silas, the head coach, and the general manager about trying to compete for the starting role. I'd love to see him back on the court. I really would. But if they don't, if they don't want you, John Wall... To be playing on the court, just please don't take a buyout. Make them pay you. 
I know it's tough. I can only imagine what it's like to sit there when you see your teammates on the court playing, losing, I might add, in Houston. Or you see the former team and your Washington Wizards playing well. I know that's not fun. I know that's not fun. But just make them pay you. Don't give in to the buyout because you're like, oh, I just I just love basketball. I get that you love basketball. But don't don't let them out of that contract. Make them pay you. Please make them pay you. More importantly, it can give John another year of rest. It also gets him one step closer to the final year of his contract. And so if you're at the final year of your contract, that makes you more tradable next season. So just wait. I know it's tough. Rest. Maybe it gives you another year of basketball. By you not playing, but still training. Less wear and tear on the knees. I think there are some teams that I think should consider signing John Wall. The Brooklyn Nets, okay, in their mind, they're probably like, we don't need them. We're 14 and 6. The New York Knicks are 11 and 9. I think they could use some infusion of talent. And I think John Wall is a dynamic point guard that could do that. 76ers are 11 and 10. I do think they need a point guard. 3 and 7 in their last 10. I think they could use a point guard. I really do. And the Timberwolves are 11 and 10. They could use a point guard. The Golden State Warriors, 18-2, Klay Thompson coming back. Book them. I think you book them as a favorite to win the NBA championship. How could you not? They're not the favorite. The Nets are the favorite at plus 240, but the Warriors have bumped the Lakers, and they are now at plus 600. Still good odds. Still good odds to consider. So I would definitely do that. There's no doubt about that. Bucks at plus 800, I consider that. Suns, I mean the Suns, man. Think about how good the Golden State Warriors are. The Suns have won 16 in a row and they are still not in first place. They are game behind the Golden State Warriors. But to win the NBA championship, they're at plus 1,300, while the Warriors are at plus 600. People are sleeping on the Suns. Take the Suns. They're plus 450 to win the Western Conference. They are not even favorite, but only at plus 100, to win the Pacific Division. But when James Wiseman... 
and Klay Thompson come back on that team and they're 100% healthy and ready to rock and roll, yeah, watch out. But you're already watching. You're already watching. They're good. They're really good. You know I've already been talking about the Nets and the Sixers as two viable options because obviously Kyrie's not playing on a regular basis, especially not in New York. And Ben Simmons isn't playing in Philly. Maybe they could work something out, a three-team deal. Get all of them in new situations. But I got a couple of other teams. I think the Timberwolves could use a point guard. Right now, they're in sixth in the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, they're not bad. But they might be able to benefit from having a player like John Wall. I think they could. I mean, nobody is scaring me on that team. I mean, they are kind of getting it done. I'll give you that. But, like, you got Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Jalen Noel, Josh Okoge, Jordan McLaughlin. D'Angelo Russell and McKinley Wright the fourth are your guards. But I mean, in terms of point guards, I I just think you you could probably do good to trade for John Wall. I mean, realistically, I know I I listed all the guards because there are a lot of them, but Jordan McLaughlin is really your point guard. And I think you could use another point guard if the Timberwolves want to find a way to hold on to that playoff spot. They might be able to use a John Wall. Right now, they're 11 and 10. Not bad. Another team I think that could use John Wall is the New York Knicks. Why? Well, the news just came out that Kimba Walker is out of the rotation. They're going to need, I guess you could say that he is adding depth. You've got Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly. I think Emmanuel quickly could learn something from another Kentucky Wildcat and John Wall. Maybe John Wall can use some coaching with regards to his defense from Tom Thibodeau. And I know he loves New York. So those are the four teams that I looked at going down the roster like, hey, that might work for him. Minnesota, New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, or the Philadelphia 76ers.
Those are four teams I like. Another thing I like this week, and you know I don't really get that much in the college football. Shout out to University of Pittsburgh, my alma mater, the Panthers, going to the ACC championships. They beat Syracuse. Boy, was I sweating that game. I was sweating that game. But they came through. They pulled it out. Another game I enjoyed was Michigan beating Ohio State. Not that I have a dog in that fight, but man, I did not like seeing Jim Harbaugh lose and lose and lose to Ohio State. It's just a cool story. It was just cool to see. And they put a hurting on Ohio State. And to see Jawan Howard, the men's basketball coach at Michigan, on the field congratulating Harbaugh, that was cool too. You like to see that camaraderie, that synergy amongst coaches. And obviously, I don't know the other coaches that are in baseball or swimming or whatever else. Maybe some of them were on the field with Harbaugh too. The women's basketball coach, possibly. But I saw a very tall Jawan Howard out there. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. As I watch the Washington football team, somehow, I mean, they they beat the Seahawks. And I was really surprised. And the question I have is, is the Washington football team for real? That's the question for me. Is the Washington football team for real? I mean, I really don't know. This has been the one of the best seasons in the National Football League. I believe that there is true parity in both conferences. In both conferences. Because even though in the NFC, Arizona's at the top at 9-2, and two, I mean, if it was NFC Championship and you had Tampa Bay at Arizona, Arizona wouldn't be a given. The Rams have lost three in a row. The 49ers have won three in a row to get back into the conversation for the playoffs. The Packers look really good. They're 5-0 at home, but 4-3 on the road. The Dallas Cowboys at 7-4 have lost two in a row. Now, it's a long shot thinking that, oh, the Washington football team can get in there. I mean, they they played Seattle, and Seattle's three was was well now three and eight. They've lost three in a row. They're just not very good, actually. As I was starting to watch this game yesterday, it was funny because I I hearkened back to RG three playing the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson in DC in the playoffs, and that's when RG 3s career was done. 
Just done. But it was cool to see Washington win. Uh, five and six, a game below 500. We'll see what they can do. I wouldn't say it's a pretty win. But it was exciting. Seattle made it interesting at the end. Couldn't convert in the two-point conversion. And the Washington football team wins 17-15. I'll take it. I'll take it. Not anything to write home about. I'm still not 100% sold on Heineke. Really am not. Think they should draft a quarterback. But whatever. We'll go with it. It's not like they're anywhere near favored to win the division. Right? Washington at plus 1,400. Nah, not gonna, probably not going to happen, but you can go in and put some money on it if you want to. Why not? I mean, a tough road ahead of them. At the Raiders, I think traveling out west is just as bad in some ways as coming across east from west to east coast, but probably not. But to think, you got two more games against the Cowboys, two against the Eagles, one against the Giants. Uh, That's a tall order to think they're going to make the playoffs. But the Cowboys haven't looked that good lately. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. The Cowboys haven't looked that good lately. And when you look at the team futures, who's a favorite to win the Super Bowl? You still got the Buccaneers at plus 500. The Chiefs at plus 700. Bills at plus 750. Packers at plus 750. And that's your top four. A team that's heading in the right direction or seem to be. Maybe the 49ers to win the NFC West at a long shot at plus 3,500. That might be a good long shot. That just might be. Because also if you look at the AFC, it's up for grabs. The Patriots, what am I, what, what? What am I seeing here? They're at the top of the AFC East at eight and four. Buffalo Bills should be worried. They are worried. They have to be worried. The Patriots have won six in a row. They look to be for real with Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Got a Jones in for the Mac. Bill Belichick. The Ravens have won two in a row. The Bengals have won two in a row. And the Steelers. Oh, five, five, and one. Ugh. I don't know. That loss to the Bengals looked so bad. Looked so bad. 41 to 10. After losing to the Bengals in Pittsburgh, 24 to 10. That's not good. Playoff hopes for the Pittsburgh Steelers are on thin, thin, thin ice. And also recognize as I was doing the color cast, with Dexter Henry. Is that one thing. All three of those teams have. 
are younger quarterbacks. The Browns, Baker Mayfield, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. And I know it's not easy for the Steelers fans to see this team at the bottom of the AFC, considering if they had just won and beat the Chargers, they would have been in first place. Especially, they definitely would have been in first place if they had beat the Detroit Lions. But in reality, I want to see Ben Roethlisberger be able to go out on his own terms. But I know that's not easy for anyone in the Steelers organization, especially, especially not Ben Roethlisberger, who probably thinks I got two, three more years in me. I know he does. He has to think that way. And when you saw the Steelers losing, really, in like middle of the third, the game was over. And Ben Roethlisberger was still in the game till the very, 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 very end. He's like, why is he still in? And I can only tell or think that it, it's got to be that bond, that special bond between Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin, the respect they have for each other, because they Tomlin definitely owes his career to Bill, to, um, well, one, Bill Cowher leaving. But Ben Roethlisberger, you know, it was a big change to go from Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin. And there's a mutual respect there that I can see that Mike Tomlin wants Ben to be able to go out with his head held high. The front office, the ownership group of the Steelers want Ben Roethlisberger to stay a Steeler, retire a Steeler. But then it also means you got to wait it out. You got to wait it out. The Tennessee Titans at eight and four, but they've lost two. Actually, that whole division, uh, the AFC South, Titans, Colts, Texans, Jaguars, all lost on Sunday. So they're all having losing streaks. But the Colts, that had to hurt the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came back. Woo, that had to hurt. The Chiefs at the top of the AF West, AFC West, excuse me, They've won four in a row. They're seven and four. Chargers are behind them at six and four. Broncos six and five. Excuse me. Chargers six and five. Broncos six and five. And Raiders six and five. That is going to be wild to see how the playoffs shake out. It's going to come down to the last weekend, and this is going to be fun. Fun. But this also may be a good time for you to get some of those sleeper bets in to win the conference or the division. Can the Raiders turn it around? They're at plus 5,000 to win the AFC. Colts at plus 2,500. You never know. Look at the NFC East. Can the Washington football team at plus... 1400 come back and also the funny thing is with these playoffs in the nfl playoffs a lot of injuries 
can play a role in this. Well, the sad thing is I was going to say Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers maybe had a shot, but Cam Newton talking about, I'm back. Now I'll be, you're not back. The Panthers are not back. Steelers are done. Debo Samuel expected to miss one to two weeks for the San Francisco 49ers, even though I just talked about the 49ers. We'll see what happens. Debo being out, will it hurt the 49ers? Saints are going to try Taysom Hill over Simeon, as Trevor Simeon, that is, as they're trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Injuries played a role in the Steelers. What happened with the Steelers this season, too? So it's going to be a... It's going to be a lot of changes here and injuries that may play a role in what happens towards the tail end of the season as we've pretty much reached we're a little over we're over the halfway point um almost three quarters of the way through the season but there's a lot of teams up in the air there are a lot of teams up in the air and it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch so as I change to Tuesday being um, the new day that you'll get a new Just for Sport pod. Hope you, you know, I, I don't know. Just some about it I wanted to encapsulate the entire NFL weekend, which to me includes the Monday night game. And I always kind of preview the Monday night game is what I've been doing in the past, but I want to make a little bit of a change. I may have even more changes as we get to the new year. And that'll do it for Just for Sport. We're going to miss you, Mad Max. I'm going to have to root against you now. Really root against you now. You're with the Mets. Shout out to my dad. Thanks for coming and sleeping on the couch where we were watching football and basketball. That was fun as I would look over at you, nodding, wake you up, say, Dad, go to bed. No, I'm up, I'm up, I'm watching, I'm watching. Truly special moments I'll never forget. And rest in peace, Lee Elder. You will be missed, but not forgotten. Ciao for now.